You're listening to Sarah Hagen backstage with interviews and insights from years inside the music industry. Join Sarah as she talks with masters of their crafts, finding out what makes them tick both inside and outside of the music business. Welcome to Sarah Hagen backstage. My guest today, Pete Lockett, is a world-renowned percussionist who has played with dozens of the world's top musicians, such as Bjork, Peter Gabriel, Robert Plant, Dido, Bill Bruford, Jeff Beck, Zakir Hussain, Nelly Furtado, Dave Weckl, Thomas Lang, Amy Winehouse, A.R. Rahman, just to name a few. Pete arranges and records music for movie soundtracks. He has published books with more on the way. He creates instruments and he has a percussion app. We will talk about all of these things and more. So come along with me as I catch up with Pete Lockett. Pete, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for inviting me on, Sarah. It's an honor. You've had some amazing people and I've been uh, I've been following it all closely. Oh, thank you so much. I, I you know, you're such a, a big supporter and I so appreciate that. Um, and I'm so I'm just excited to get the chance to catch up with you. Absolutely. Yeah, me too. I did see your face at PASIC in November, uh, last November. So that was wonderful. But it was such a whirlwind of a few days that we didn't really have a chance to to chat and catch up. So this is nice. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and speaking speaking of PASIC, um, wonderful performance. Amazing. You played with Thomas Lang and the two of you just of course, like superstars. Um, so the two of you together, it was it was just such an amazing performance um, demonstrating all of the percussion and Thomas on his drum kit. And it was just incredible. Yeah, it was it was I was really excited to to, um, you know, that we could make that happen. I mean, it was I mean, even the, that it did happen is really touch and go because the the travel ban just ended a few days before before yes. the event, which was like, I was biting my nails on that one, you know, just following, because they announced, oh, it's going to open up in, you know, late October, and, and I, oh my God, and then they didn't give the date, and they didn't give the date, but luckily, we were right, but what we lost was the uh, the rehearsal period, so right, I was going right. to go to LA, rehearse for a week with Thomas, we were going to do some, um, you know, different videos and stuff like that for DW and LP, and then, you know, head on to uh, head on to PASIC and and do the show. So, luckily, we did a lot of prep before anyway, um, in supplying each other different files and and different you know things to uh, that we could use as outlines. And then we had an hours rehearsal in uh, one of the one of the hotel rooms, and and good to go. Right. But you, you, you guys are so professional that, you know, it was, it was not noticeable that you didn't have that rehearsal time um, yeah. and that you can pull that off with just a rehearsal in a hotel room. That's, that's amazing. And it, yeah. it was, it was touch and go for sure with that travel ban. I know we had artists coming over for PASIC, you know, from, from a few different um, countries in Europe and, and it was like fingers crossed right up to the very last minute. So I'm so happy. Yeah that worked out and yeah. and wasn't it amazing though just to be back with our community our our industry family and um even in such a weird time it just felt like a tiny bit of normalcy for a moment yeah absolutely yeah it was a real you know I kind of think of it like almost like a like a stepping stone you know we're swimming again now but you know it's kind yes. of like a stepping stone and you catch up with everyone and then you realize I mean for me you know 
I, you might have noticed I've not done that much, you know, performance or video content, playing video content, live streams and stuff like that. And, mm -hmm. and that's primarily because it's that experience that that's what music means to me is playing, you know, in in front of people live with that, that whole, you know, relationship with the audience and the performer. And, and you know, it's it's vitally important to mm -hmm. me. Yeah. And, you know, Pete, you send out these newsletter updates, which are so fantastic. Um, you know, just kind of like letting us all know what you've been up to over the past year. And I remember getting these newsletter updates from you in the past. And, you know, you're, you travel extensively. And, you know, it was like, well, you know, Pete's been in Austria, and he's been in Japan. And, you know, it was like, though in the updates they're so extensive and amazing i just think like reading through this wow what a what a year and so you just sent out a newsletter update and i have to say i was so incredibly impressed you although pandemic times things are different travel is tough and like you just yeah. mentioned the live music and the the playing opportunities are so different your newsletter was still incredible and you've done like everything that you that you can do um in a time where things are so different so kudos to you for well, that for sure thank you i think it's important to to and it's like you know it's a basic thing really is take control of what you can take control of and the rest of it you've got to leave to chance really there's you know but it's, for me, you know, the pandemic came in and I thought, what could, you know, what can I take control of? You know, there were certain mm -hmm. things, you know, on the, on the, at that time on the back burner, like books that were really time consuming to, you know, to write. Like the Kanjira book was, you know, literally thousands of audio examples had to be recorded for it. And, and then the, the independence book is just, I mean, it's, again, it's probably tens of thousands of, of um uh, of examples and so it was a good opportunity in a sense to um you know have look at those things and i can take control of that you know I, it, obviously it's disappointing and, and miserable that the other stuff isn't happening but mm -hmm. at least take control of of what i could take control of and and see where we are you know right right and, and you just mentioned those books you you did release two books and you have a third one that you're working on and i love that you kind of teased it where <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah it's coming out later this year right with also yeah. a celebrity um percussionist contributor yeah. right <laughs> you know you know him very well he's been on he's been on the podcast <laughs> okay and i have an idea of who that might be but yeah. i will not say any names because we'll be surprised when it comes out it's that's yeah. so exciting though i'm very yeah. happy for you um with that in these books join your books that you've that you've released that are so educational and um creative you know you you release these books that are really like different than the, than the other things that are out there which I always love because, you know, learning new things and understanding new instruments and all of that is fascinating. But, um, but yeah, so I'm excited to see what that is when it comes. Yeah. 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 It's, it's exciting. And again, it's another really big, um, 
big project to put to put together. But what I, what I like is when I can put things together. I mean, you know, like the thing with Thomas, or you know, the stuff that I did with Russ Miller and and different drummers is to put things together and and kind of build bridges between different styles and and different you know people who have sometimes got completely different approaches to to uh, uh, music or you know mm -hmm. different genres, should we say, rather than different approaches, and to see you know. What have we got in common? You know, that's where can we build bridges with with the the things that we do? And uh, to me, that's a vitally important that's a vitally important strand of all my collaborations and and you know musical outreaches. I, well, I don't know what to call them really. Collab collaborative outreach work. <laughs> like I like that work, though. <laughs> yeah, musical musical outreach. I like that. Um, and yeah. I think um one of the things that that you have that's so unique is this um multicultural aspect to your playing where you're an expert at you know tabla and and different forms of drumming that come from from different countries and that is that is fascinating to me and i i want to delve into that a little bit deeper because um one of the things, you know, you can Google Pete Lockett, you can look at your website, you can um, find out what you're up to. You're always up to a ton of things, like I mentioned before. Um, but one thing that I don't know about, and I don't know if people know about you, is how you came to be this expert on different <laughs> styles of music from different countries. How in the world, um, you know, did you end up just getting interested in it and and diving in head first like take yeah. us back a little bit to like yeah. your start it's that really it's, it's I, you know i would describe it as an accident in in um in many ways because um i mean even drumming itself was an accident oh you know i was walking past a drum shop i was 19 walking past a drum shop in Portsmouth, which was my hometown at the, at the time where i was from and there was an advert in the window for drum lessons at five quid and so, you know, my family had had zero interest in, in music at all. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, my, my sisters were listening to Barry White. That was as, that was as close as I got to, to, uh, to any music at all. Marvellous as Barry White is, not quite my cup of tea. <laughs> <laughs> did you hear, actually, just as an aside in the middle of that story, did you hear that, and this is no disrespect to Barry Manilow, but I read in the, on the news the other day that the... Um, that the New Zealand um, police were were playing Barry Manilow songs on a massive PA to protect to um, disperse protesters from the parliament. Oh no! It worked. <laughs> they all went. <laughs> anyway, we love Barry. That's Manilow. hysterical. That's hysterical. <laughs> yeah. So so yeah. So they, my family had no interest in music. Interest in music. So I, you know, I was just walking past a drum shop and saw the advert and thought, oh, you know, why not? And I went in and, um, you know, it's like all of those things, you know, later on in life as a teacher, I realized the importance of, you know, how you are as a person with people. It's not like you go into someone and, oh, I'm the expert. I'm going to show you how it's done. And, mm -hmm. all that. you know, it's really important that you've got to relate as a person. And so this guy, John Hammond, his name was, not the keyboard player, <laughs> um, he's a great local drummer and he was so open and so logical with what he what he showed me um, and it was just it just immediately clicked and I thought wow this is um, just something the first thing that had really made sense to me that kind of I don't know got to my um, my 
a priori self or my my center my spirituality is the first thing that uh, that that got there really and, and i was like wow and so that was the whole direction for my life and then i moved to london um about a year later i was in a punk band locally and stuff like that you know getting um, getting all that happening then i moved I to london i love that i had yeah. no idea <laughs> yes yeah, smashing my drums up after the gig and all, all sorts. <laughs> If I ended up in hospital once because I split my finger side of my side of my finger open on a on a symbol. I mean, it looked really, really. Oh my goodness! Punk. You know, it was the last. That is ever. very punk, Pete. Yeah, very <laughs> punk. <laughs> it's the tattoos, you know. Yes. <laughs> um, so anyway, yeah. Then I moved to London and was you know starting to just work in the rock scene and, and different things. And then I came across a free concert, um, and it was the the late great Ali Akbar Khan who plays an instrument called the Sarod. Um, mm -hmm. And great Zaki Hussein, the one of the you know current gods of of tabla, and it was just mind blowing. You know, if you've never wow. seen that music before live, it's it's literally overwhelming, completely overwhelming. So I made a mental note of it, and I thought, wow, that's that's you know really interesting. But it's like if you go and you look at the um, you know if you look at the the rocket being launched to outer space, you don't imagine, you don't sort of think, oh, I wonder if I can get a gig as an astronaut mm -hmm. <laughs> but anyway a couple of um a couple of months later or a month later or so a newspaper came through the front door free newspaper and had fallen open on the mat and there was a big advert for tablet lessons and that was wow. that was it that was the doorway that's amazing how like serendipitous that you saw yeah. Zahir and then like saw an advertisement for tablet lessons like yeah yeah that's incredible so you got yep. into, you took the lessons, got into the, into the music, which I love that you just mentioned that it's kind of overwhelming and, and it, it, there's something about um, the sound that comes from the tabla that is, it is encompassing, like it surrounds you. There's just something really beautiful. And like you mentioned, spiritual about that instrument. Um, yeah, absolutely. That I, yeah. I, yeah, it just kind of like connects with you, with your soul. If you're if you're into that style of of music or that or that sound, and um, it's just beautiful. And so you did you find opportunities to play tabla? With well, the thing, about, yeah, the thing about that is it's a really hard study. So initially, it was just to complement my drum set playing, mm -hmm. but because everything is so different about it, you know primarily you're always playing the the, the bass tabla with your left hand and the small tabla with your with your right hand um the way that the rhythmic structures are put together the way that you know your your um technical application of things the way that works within the music is completely different to how it would work you know in 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 non-indian music like everything was completely different so i couldn't really see that many ways to apply it but um <laughs> it's another strange thing but next door to me um where i used to live in tottenham at this point there was a um a, a guy who had just been um let out of the mental hospital okay and so when i played drum set in that place basically i was risking my life because what? he would come, he would come out and he would you know throw stones at the window and Oh Just, my goodness! Uh, so, <laughs> but he couldn't hear the tabla, <laughs> and wow. so I, I could practice the tabla, and that was so. It's, it's one of the reasons. I mean, again, it's bizarre, you know. 
but uh, one of the reasons that that, um, that, I, that I focused a lot on it. And also, like with the, you know, as with the drum set, it made total sense to me, you know, uh, logically, the ergonomics mm. of it, the way the hands move. It's such an amazingly logical system. And if you think it goes back to 300 BC, where there's the first, um, you know, examples of recitation of mm -hmm. syllables and the clapping of a, of a time cycle. So the system itself has been developed over such a huge amount of time that it's, you know, it's, it, I mean, it's literally a gold mine of rhythmic, you know, linear rhythmic perfection. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. just you know, standing. It's amazing. And, and then years later, you know, you end up playing with Zakir and everything comes full circle and you are the astronaut being you know shot up into outer space yeah. basically <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's just that's just incredible and and so did you like travel to india and spend some time um no all of my studies were in were in london and then i got into the the south indian thing and basically what i did was i i had a six year period where um you know i didn't work i just ate very simply almost like a like a monk or something mm -hmm. and just i just had four four hour lessons a week with my South Indian teacher and um, wow. just practiced the whole time. So that was, you know, that was my kind of university, if you like, you know, rhythmic university, mm -hmm. the bodybuilding phase. Right. <laughs> it's a, it is amazing. And, it, and it's just, um, you know, you, you have brought that back to the drum set as well, which I think is fascinating. You know, your, yeah. your book, Indian Rhythms for the Drum Set, I, I feel like it's amazing that connection that's been made and, and it's, um, you know, the, those types of books help people expand their creative thinking on an instrument that's been kind of traditional over time. So it's, yeah. that's yeah. that's a really nice thing. I think that's, you know, that's it's just a wonderful contribution that that you've given to to the industry as well. So. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. important. It, it, a little bit like with the collaborations, you know, it's important for me to build, try, you know, try and first of all, open doors to some of the content concepts that I know a little bit about um, but then to also build bridges technically to say this is how you can you know this is how you can use it this is I mean if you strip away you know the syllables and the sounds of the drums um, and you orchestrate a lot of the you know Indian ideas on on drum set or percussion or whatever it just sounds like contemporary you know advanced mm -hmm. contemporary rhythm work some of the stuff that you hear Matt Gasker playing for example um, in you know, particularly in in uh, you know the animals as leaders things. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's super Indian. You know, you could you could do Indian versions of of a lot of that material. The way that they're using the 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 rhythmic uh, you know options. Absolutely, yeah. And it is it is fascinating to me too how it, that's developed over time. You know, we look back at drum set drumming and the traditional drum set drumming and like how where it's come encompassing all of all of this all of the new the you not not new but all of the rhythms that have come from other places the the creativity the inspiration that's that's kind of come into it um yeah that's uh you know what i would love to have seen is is if the drum set had come like a hundred years earlier and so that early phase of the instrument would have built up a uh, because everything changes so fast you know if you yeah. look at like and it's not wrong or right it's amazing that things are changing and there's many many myriad of different styles all the time you know popping up 
But one of the things when you look at, you know, some uh, traditional cultures um, of, of music is that they, they had a solid um, growth period, you know, like time in the womb, should we call it, mm -hmm. um, before, before they've gone out and then different things are happening to it. It'd it just be interesting. I mean, obviously, you know, we'll never know, but it'd be, be an interesting, uh, maybe there's a film in it, you know. Right. <laughs> Well, you're we'll watching, both watch it. Right. <laughs> well, and, and speaking of films, too, I have to mention um, your work on movie soundtracks, because I, that's one thing that's always in your newsletters is like what you what new movies you've worked on. And um, one of my favorite movies, as far as soundtracks go, it's always the 007 movies because the yeah. music is so good. It's like, you know, that the theme song is going to be fantastic and it's going to have like an amazing musician on it, you know, amazing singer. Amazing. It just is. It's just always on point. Um, and you've yeah. done five of those, right? Five. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I was very, you know, lucky and honored. I mean, it's not, there's not many things you do like that that are, um, I suppose go back to your childhood and you think, oh, I'm playing on an 007 film. You know, it's mm -hmm. it's um, it's it was amazing and and very lucky. You know, and I had a great relationship with uh, they were all the, the films that David Arnold did. Um, and in the in the past, I'd had a a duo with um, with David Arnold. We did um, the South Bank Centre, did a gig at the South Bank Centre together many many years ago. And so it was great to work with him because you know it's it was um you know i could just go in and do my thing as a as a soloist on it and uh you know build it all up in fact by in by the end what i was doing was i was before we'd even started on the film i'd record a load of percussion for him just basic like two minute percussion tracks you know maybe mm -hmm. 10 or 20, something like that and then multi-track and then send them to him and then he would use that to write to and then i'd go in and replace it or add to it or do different stuff. So it's a really interesting uh, and, and um, you know, I'm, I'm proud to have done that. You know, it's something that, that I definitely, um, definitely enjoyed and um, was glad to have done. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think especially with movie soundtracks, and I, I've mentioned this before on this podcast, but it really like make or makes or breaks the movie, you know, whatever, yeah. whatever's happening, like if the soundtrack is killer, it just yeah. enhances everything about it, everything yeah. about the film, everything about the experience. And I just um, interviewed Antonio Sanchez recently. We talked a bit about the Birdman soundtrack and, you know, how cool it was that the whole thing was was him. Um, I would love to see more films like that. That would be super cool. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, you know, on that theme, my, my wife can't watch a film if the if I mean, there's a certain threshold that the soundtrack can't go um, she's a pianist there's a mm -hmm. certain threshold the soundtrack can't go beyond and uh and then she's like i can't i can't watch it and, and I, sometimes, I... <laughs> sometimes when it's a good soundtrack you know i'm kind of you know following the story mm -hmm. and then um and then i know that she hasn't so i say oh you, you really you know have you followed what's happened she said, oh, no no it was a you know it was a minor seventh going to a you know i said i missed it or what happened do we have to pause the film and i tell her what happened and then we move on you know <laughs> right that's... Life. <laughs> <laughs> no that's amazing though that is like that's exactly what i mean right so if you're if you're so if you're so into sound that it matters um mm. it can it can change things for you it can change your perspective on things i think and in a 
musical yeah. setting in a movie setting, you know, whatever you happen to be doing. I find it funny. Um, sometimes when I am out and about walking, you know, I, I've thought of this often walking through airports, but you know, the music is on in the background and as a drummer, you want to walk in time <laughs> with the, with whatever is happening. And it, and it cracks me up sometimes to think about like, um, you know, you're just like walking in time with the music and other people looking at you like, what is that person doing? But you can't help it because it, you have to, <laughs> like, yeah. it yeah. doesn't feel right if you're not. So that's, that's interesting though, about your wife really like not into the actual movie because the, the music is over, overtaking her. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. How, how interesting, but, and like, speaking of sound too, you are like the master of sounds and sound effects and you know different um percussion percussion instruments and you and i had a really great um conversation recently about this over email just um how interesting it is to explore new sound options um yeah. i am obsessed with that and i love <laughs> i <laughs> i love seeing new things you know new new options new instruments popping up and it seems like that's happening yeah. often I think um things is is you know where where you draw the line with with uh, i mean i don't draw the line with with uh sound in terms of def uh, sound defined by instruments i don't really see that there's a there's a line there i mean i see sound you know as everything as, as everything that that makes a noise is potentially a music making um music making device or everything that has some sort of you know rhythmic flow you know a, a waterfall you know the rhythm mm -hmm. of the waterfall even you know someone drilling the road or i mean maybe not right next to it but <laughs> <laughs> safe distance yeah it's all really you know there's a lot of interesting things and i i've always liked particularly in not so much in the stuff that i've done in on drum festivals and things like that but the solo stuff but the i've always been really into sound and i've always made a lot and i've got a few here to show you if uh please if do yes so these are this is very now these are being made i mean I, these are, are um 30 years old i would say now these, wow and it's very roughly made but it's just bottle tops it's all wine you know bottles of wine mm-hmm so it's, it's very rhythmic like that, then you can play on it. And they've all got different sounds. And of course, there's a, as a um, sound of it. So that's metallic um, metallic wine wine bottle top. Mm -hmm. So that was the best one to make, to be perfect. It's so yeah. great. Yeah, right. You enjoyed the process. <laughs> <laughs> and here's the same one with milk that made me a little bit ill, to be honest. But <laughs> <laughs> and again, it's really dry. You know, it's really dry and it's all... What sometimes then again, there's uh, some people in Brazil that are making these these type mm -hmm. of things. You know, we tend to dismiss the object. Oh, it's a milk bottle top. You know what? Um, you know what value does it have? But it, you know, and that to me, this is mm -hmm. better than a lot of the stuff that you can buy off of the shelf. You know, because right. especially some of the fiberglass things and stuff like that. They're very, very. Um, they're just too much in your face. You know, too. Mm -hmm. But this Hard. is. Really, this is really subtle. And a more traditional version of that is, of course, the Kluak shells, which is one of my first, very watery and... Um, yes. 
just a great, great time. The other thing that I do is I put hooks on them. And you can see that. So you can hook them on a, so you can easily take them off rather than them being, you know, stuck on a stand or holding. So right. that's something with, and another similar thing is this, which is uh, bells from Sri Lanka. Now, the interesting thing with this is, and conceptually with the two different types of approach, is that these are all um, hung, so they so they don't um, resonate. So it's mm -hmm. a very dry sound, mm -hmm. and it stops immediately, which is really useful in in you know a studio setting. But another option that I use, so all the bells resonate, is this type of thing, which is mm -hmm. um, like a timbali stick. Yeah. Then they all kind of resonate. And then you can get like staccato individual, maybe a little bit, a little bit Christmassy. But then there's another one. This is this is one of my favourite ones. Oh yes. Because they're well tuned. That's beautiful. And the two of them together, great. I mean, I've sometimes used this as a an intro. sort of stuff I'm really really into this is another thing that I, that I use with um hung bells is this is the the bottom of an Italian um, bottle of wine you know the ones with all the string round yes the rope round and then mm -hmm. you can just do instant little things like that so and nice stop it play it play it like Beautiful. that it's just it's just great you know I just love experimenting with all these this is a friend of mine, Lee Mullen, got me these. They're, they're, they're Christmas decorations. Oh, I love that. I love that. For anyone who's listening right now, they are like Christmas decoration stars. What are they? Yeah. Are they wooden, Pete? No, I think they're um, they're quite hard. I think they're okay. maybe a very hard papier-mâché or something like that. Mm -hmm. Or maybe, maybe a clay. But just really great. Just all these all these sounds and these this is i got this idea from terry bozio is that in japan they do these little key rings i mean everyone puts them on their bag and, oh, yeah. and so you can hear people walking around but i mean this is a small one but i've got one about of about 50 and it's just so loud wow they're yeah, like little little jingle bells right yeah but even yeah. like one of them well, they're yeah all making a racket <laughs> It's just great, nice. great, great things, you know, just so, yeah, I'm, I'm always into sounds and then, you know, processing them a lot as well, you know, putting them into with, through electronics and, and you know. Yeah, that's, exactly. And that's one thing that I um, admire about you because you you have these traditional instruments and these acoustic instruments, but you also utilize electronics to. Um, like you said, process them, create different sounds. You actually have an app, which um, I love the drum jam app, right? So you can, yes. in that app, you can um, layer percussive instruments over each other uh, to create music. And it's really super cool. Oh, I'm glad you so. like it. Yeah, it's something that I'm, I'm really proud of, actually. I mean, it's I mean, it's got multiple uses on the one side of the coin. You know, it's, it's a music production app, so you can export everything as as uh, WAV files and, and upload it to SoundCloud or email it or 
you know file share and stuff like that mm -hmm. um but then on the other side of the coin it's a it's a play thing so you know there's yes. a there's one part of it is the loops as you know and then the other part is the solo pads and so just by dragging dragging your finger mm -hmm. across the um you know across the surface you can trigger the sounds and you set the you know how they're triggered and all that and it's funny because i got you know quite a few emails from um relatives of people in in hospital and that you know have like been injured or you know in different um you know medical medical situations and they're saying oh you know my my husband or my wife you know was they were they, they can't really move but they can do that and they're really mm -hmm. enjoying it and it's like oh i'd never thought of that as an application wow uh, it's, it's really really good. and then of course educationally sometimes people will not know what a, what an instrument is so i don't know like the pakawaj or kanjira yes tablets you know whatever um and so i wanted the idea to make it completely accessible so someone can explore the tones of the instrument just to understand what the tones of the instrument are you know so that was another application that i that i wanted to to put together it's in partnership with a great app designer called jesse chapel who was, was one of the first music uh, app uh, oh very yeah. cool yeah i that that's the thing about it too i mean like you just brought up a bunch of other really cool applications for it i i thought you know it's fun like you said it's kind of a play thing where you can like play around and you can make sounds and things but then being able to actually take those files and use them in music yeah. like it's a it's really like professionally applicable which which yeah. i think is really fantastic um and then yeah i found myself being educated because there are a bunch of instruments on there that i've never seen before and yeah. how cool is that that's great that's really right good. yeah um and so and speaking of instruments that i've never seen before i just cannot go without mentioning the the instruments that you've created with the companies that you're involved with and and one being vic firth with the remix yeah. brushes and i was at vic firth at the time when those were being developed and i remember going up to the factory in maine the vic firth factory and it was early stages so neil larravee had all of these bits and pieces and parts and things and was experimenting and you two were you know very closely working on different um different applications so he yeah. had what fascinated me was, you know, being really someone who loves the creative process and also loves sound to see things from that really initial perspective. He had a he had a broom. He had taken the the bristles out of the broom and he had like <laughs> like a big thing of brass. And, you know, it was just it was super cool for anyone who hasn't seen the remix brushes. They are organic material brushes. Um, that you can stack together. They're flat. You can stack them together and play them together and mix and match. And yeah, like really cool materials. And I remember he had a heat gun and he was working with the, you know, and I was just like, to me, that's, that's like fun. That's like playtime. Like let's Absolutely. experiment. Right. Yeah. yeah. I think we kind of lost that a little bit, you know, with, with, um, with where we are as an, you know, kind of, industrial production species now aren't we really you know it's it, it, to, to to get in and play like children with with developing projects and have having the child's mind i think is so vitally important of saying why yes. these two things fit together why can't this work you know and yes and experiment 
Absolutely, Pete. And I think one thing that's so important to ask ourselves is what if? Like, and I I found myself saying that so often in my time at, at Zildjian and Vic Firth and now working with Russ uh, Miller with GrooveX Percussion and creating new products and sounds and yeah. accessories and things like um, I say that all the time. Well, what if we did this? What if this happened? Yeah. Like what would happen if we tried? And that leads to so many different options and what comes out of it um, is really fun and, and yeah. you know, and different sometimes. Um, what if we put round holes in symbols instead of slotted holes? What if we did, you know, what if we tried a different, uh, you know, patina on something? What if we left that bell raw on the symbol instead of lathing it? What happens? You know, like that yeah. kind of thing. Um, and you do that a lot. And I, those remix brushes are super cool and totally unique. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I mean, I'm just really, really happy with happy that you know well, happy that they came out but because obviously it's something that i've been you know been using you know homemade versions for you know 25 years or more it just okay. because it was great for particularly for recording because you can just flip it over and you can have a completely different sound or you can have the soft sound on one side reinforced by the by the you know the harder thing on the on the on the back side of it and so it's 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 really really cool um you know thing but i think it's the mind of the percussionist as well you know to mess around and make things and and if you think of you know you know art as a behavior or you know the development of music as a behavior that goes back to the very beginning of our species mm -hmm. you know it began with people making things and experimenting yeah realizing that something makes a sound in the in the first place you know and you look at all of the different things that that have been developed across the world depending on on I don't know, what the climate is or what the the materials in that that particular area are and and stuff like that so i think it's kind of a uh, i don't know a positive primitive approach is what i would what i would say right exactly and you know sometimes all it takes is a company to say, let's try that and see what happens. Let's let's see if we can, yeah. you know, mass manufacture that that primitive idea or sound. Um, yeah. Which is, you know, why again I, I love working with Russ and at GrooveX and getting a chance to work with you all on yeah. these concepts because you know that's where that's where things come from. That's why where ideas come from is out in the field, right? Like in practical Absolutely. application. And then being able to offer that option of sound to the masses, I think is, it's just so important. Um, and I, I love to see things like, you know, the first time I saw a drummer uh, taping coins to their cymbal for, yeah. you know, for like a, a riveted sound that can be taken, taken on and off and changed up. I was yeah. just like, that is super cool. Like, yeah. you know, just anything like that. How primitive is that, right? Tape and a coin. Yeah. But I mean, it works. You know, sometimes it's a simple idea and people have, have dismissed it because, oh, it's, it's simple. It, like, you know, it can't, it can't possibly work. But I think it takes, it takes bravery as well, you know, <clears throat> to start coming out with, I'm not saying, you know, I'm brave. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying to, to actually be experiment, you know, to be, to experiment 
and to mm -hmm. be able to come up with with different sounds out of things that people might dismiss on a, in an everyday uh, setting, you know, I think it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's a bit of degree of bravery in that. I agree. I agree. And and in everyday settings, like you're finding those the the wine caps and the milk bottle caps and you yeah. know the jingle bells and and Christmas ornaments and these things yeah. that that <laughs> yeah. make super cool sounds. And I'm wondering if um if you find or if you gain creative inspiration from other things too, like um when you see art or yeah. when you uh, experience things outside of the music realm. Does that yeah. bring up thoughts and ideas as well? Yeah, I suppose the 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 the, the um the the biggest experience I had with that was a few years ago. I wrote a novel, and in, in my mind, you know, I I never thought that I could um you know get to where I feel spiritually musically um, in anything other than than music, you know. Um, but I really, really did get there writing the the novel. It was a science fiction, science fiction novel, a survivor's guide to eternity. Kind of works for COVID, doesn't it? Really? Yes. Plastic. <laughs> yeah. so but uh, yeah, and and it, it really, I mean, it's, you kind of fall into it, and it and you just, and I think that's part of the thing, and I think that's one of the things about. Um, I mean, I I don't meditate as such. Mm -hmm. But I meditate through music. So I meditate by playing, um, you know, um, something very simple for a specific amount of time. So even, mm -hmm. you know, triplets at 70 BPM for 30 minutes without stopping, you know, turn the phone off and just do that. And you find that you fall into it or you you, you kind of go inside it and you're looking outwards. Right. I don't know, no words for it, really. So I'm just, you know, making up some sort of, you know, uh, believable narrative. But <laughs> but you kind of fall into it. A bit like when you um, repeat a word over and over again and mm -hmm. it ceases to mean anything, which I guess mm -hmm. is, you know, part of a Buddhist thing, um, chanting in that way. But to do it, you know, with music. And, and I find that you really get to you get to a really good point in your in your mind where you've thrown everything away that's, you know, bothering you and, and or at least temporarily. And you kind of, you know, you you, um, in a in a in the space, shall we say? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, you kind of get inside of your own head. Yeah. Which is, I think, uh, something that we probably don't do enough of. Yeah. You know, in everyday life, there's so much external, so much to do, so much going on. Um, yeah. That to have that, to take that time to just get inside and let your yeah. You let your brain do what it wants to do, right? Like, yeah, it just, there's not enough time. It's overwhelming, really. I think the things that, I mean, I think we take for granted, you know, all of the things that we have available to us at the moment and take for granted that we, that we have to do them. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I remember, you know, obviously before social media and before, I mean, I can remember having to phone phone people up, you know, get the Musicians Union phone book and I'd get an address and send them a cassette or I used mm -hmm. to call a lot of people. You know, it didn't always work. I remember cold calling one guy. You know, in a in a uh, a jazz player. I can't remember who it was, but what I would do is I as soon as they answered the phone, that was it. I'd go. They couldn't get a word in edgeways. <laughs> My whole thesis would be presented to them, <laughs> expecting that they would be interested. Of course, they wouldn't be. Anyway, I did this this one guy. This this one guy. He just he had to interrupt me, and he said, "Man, this." 
it's the middle of the night here. <laughs> I was like, oh, I haven't got the gig then. <laughs> That's too funny. Yes, the so time we, time differences. <laughs> yeah. So we come through that now. We've got, you know, and then first of all, we've got the, the internet. And that's like, wow, that's amazing. We can see all these things. And then I suppose the first thing was MySpace, where you could get oh. great connectivity with lots of musicians. And then suddenly we're we're in this place now with all these different social media platforms and and also i suppose in a way although there's there's massive positivity in in some I mean, some of the things that i see on on uh, you know instagram and, and facebook are amazing the plays that i would never have seen ideas that that i would never have seen but i think the the, the way that we deal with it is is super important because i think there's a there's a sensibility and and um and an attentiveness that that are, uh, are kind of uh, endangered, I would say, because the, the the sensibility in the sense that I think to be a great musician, you have to be a little bit vulnerable. You can't just be, you know, super macho or super sort of overconfident and play your way through everything, because I don't think that would lead to a great sensitive um you know performance mm -hmm. so i think to be a, to be a, a a good artist you know a good musician necessitates a degree of vulnerability and so then we've immediately got a conflict because then you're in an environment on with social media where that vulnerability can be you know prodded all the time with what people mm -hmm. are saying in a completely unnatural way you know, we're not used to receiving information like that, you know, judgments or, you know, right. things like that. And the other thing that I would say about it is attentiveness is it's not so much, you know, musicians of my age, because we've grown up with, you know, longer pieces of music, basically. <laughs> um, but this this idea of attention span, I think a lot of people now, and I'm as guilty of it as everyone else, is you look at something, it's got its 30 second, 40 second window, which is perfect for marketing mm -hmm. obviously the perfect marketing tool um but but people become impatient with with music so i think there there are two things that philosophically need to be considered in in how we musicians embrace social media and uh, and and interact with it within our, within our lives because otherwise it can there can be you know, I know I've seen many people who are like, oh, I'm off of social media. I can't do it. I can't deal with it anymore. Mm -hmm. And it's become such a vital component for our, you know, to promote our careers, if you like, or promote our, our messages or what we're doing. Uh, so, I, but I, so I think it's a lot more complex than, you know, I don't go along with everyone say, saying everything's totally positive about um, what we've got at the moment on our hands. Mm -hmm. because I think there are a lot of other things to consider um, with it as well. Yeah, I that's that's a really, really great point. And I, I think one of the things that comes up in these conversations often is is the co the concept of is social media stifling the creativity of musicians and the individuality and as you mentioned, the vulnerability because it's really, really hard to make music that you want to make without yeah. considering what the masses are going to think about it right yeah. 
um, or content in general, you know, um, this podcast is, this is really for, um, maybe a, a smallish group of people who want to hear an hour long conversation about, yeah, yeah. you know, in depth into like the drumming world and community and sound and, um, lives, the lives behind, uh, the music really. Um, but, but that's great because that's who it's for and it doesn't need to be for, for everybody. Yeah. Um, but, but, and that's kind of how I see music. Like if you're making music, because it's what's inside of you, the people who get it will get it. And that's, and that's perfect. Um, so, so that's one piece of advice that kind of keeps coming up from guests on the podcast is make the music that is inside of you. That's, you know, what, what is you like, put it out there. Those who get it, will get it. And the ones who don't like, just, you have to kind of develop a thick skin against that and let it roll off. True to yourself. You know, I mean, I always, you know, philosophically, you always think, you know, with, you know, even performing live, you think, well, there's going to be X amount of per- uh, percentage of people that, that really like this, mm-hmm. you know, a percentage that, that you know, understand it and maybe, you know, kind of like it a bit, uh, a percentage that don't understand it are in- indifferent, and then a percentage that will absolutely hate everything about it. <laughs> and that's just the logical, that's just the logical way to think about it, because, right. you know, no one likes you know who likes everything you know absolutely yeah everything is a curve right there's always a there's always a curve to everything and yeah yeah and i think i think once we come to terms with that and and um reconcile that fact then then we can all be more creative and more open and vulnerable and i i I do think that be true to yourself really you know that's that's really the and and you know and give an honest portrayal of of um of what you do without seeking approval i think that's a, a vital caveat to it as well mm-hmm. absolutely yes i agree um and you know just i do want to mention too you you talked about your book a little bit i just want to remind anyone listening it's a survivor's guide to eternity and i read the first um bit of the book and i just have to tell you it's your use of description is amazing. And, yeah. you know, your alliteration, I'm thinking like, wow, Pete, like, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know. I had no idea. Um, and, you know, I am headed on a uh, brief uh, vacation next week, just going to be like, reading a lot and <laughs> trying right. to relax. So I'm going to finish, finish your book then. But I, you know, I loved, I loved it. The start oh, of it great. is, is really great. Yeah, really interesting. And, and so different and so different. And, and again, something that was inside of you and you had the opportunity to present it out there to the world. And yeah, so again, the weird thing, because I woke up one morning and I just had the first page. God knows why you'd wake up and have that first page in your head. But I did. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't have a hang either. Right. <laughs> And then once I'd started, you know, I i mean, it sounds ridiculous, but once I started, I couldn't stop. Now I can't start the second one. That's a weird, um, weird thing. Yeah, that's so interesting. I feel like when it's ready, though, it will come out. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
when you're able to to get inside your own head for long enough, it'll yeah, <laughs> it'll it'll come out for sure. Maybe in, maybe in the middle of those seventy BPM triplets. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Um, so so you did you let us know you have another book coming out that is not able to be talked about yet, and we'll find out about it. But tell us what else is up. You know what what else you'll be up to in 2022? What's coming? Well, I mean, to be honest, generally speaking, I've, I'm keeping the year pretty quiet because, I mean, PASIC was a was a an exception because mm-hmm. you know, you know, I had to go out and do that. You know, it's not you know, it's such a great project and great um, event to perform at. Um, I mean, I'm vaccinated and I'm fine to travel, but I, I still don't feel brilliantly comfortable about the hassles of it all. And, mm-hmm. and you know, so I'm, I mean, also, you know, as I said to you earlier, you know, I'm moving home as well. So I'm kind of focused on that, really. Yeah. That's you know, there's still a lot of, um, you know, a lot of projects going on. There's, there's a new version of the of the app coming out, which is um, an audio unit, which is slightly different. It's a standalone and, and uh, an audio unit. So an audio unit is what will work within, uh, you know, um, Cubase or Cubasis or whatever the different apps are within within the um, operating system, the, the iOS. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've got that. They've got a contact plugin, a percussion contact plugin, which will work more in terms of um, um, within Logic or within Ableton and stuff like that. But it's not a, a percussion plugin that is. Uh, it's with a company called Rattly Raw, and uh, they do some really cool, uh, you know, adventurous plugins. So this one is is. It's using percussion sounds, but with an idea that not like, oh, you're going to have a conga part and a, and a, you know, cowbell and a bass drum or whatever. It's using percussion sounds as the sources for sound design. So there's loads and loads of effects and manipulators and um, um, arpeggiators and stuff like that. So you can make really, really weird, um, you know, percusso electric is <laughs> a new new uh, category there um, I like that stuff so that you know that's that's uh, that's one of the things that I'm that I'm focusing on as well that's awesome and I will um I'll put some links too so that everyone can check out all of those things and and find right. you and you know find the app and all that I'll link that as well um I don't want to forget to mention the live stream that you did that was so incredible. And I watched it when you did it. I watched the live stream when you did it. And I just recently oh, watched it again. Um, so tell us a little bit about that. And I'll link that as well. Yeah, that's the, um, uh, with a with a, a keyboard player, Peter John Vitesi, who's like an amazing, virtuosic, uh, uh, you know, open-minded keyboard player. I mean, he's got a, a big track history of, of working with different bands. And he wrote mm-hmm. a lot of stuff for the Eurythmics and, and different, he's, he's got, quite a big track record in the industry as a, as a producer. So he's a great, great guy to work with. And it's, it's very filmic and, and improvisatory and not really, it's not so much about, um, you know, technique and, and uh, virtuosity. And it's really about uh, soundscapes. And, and of course, there's going to be bits of, you know, the odd 30 second note here and there, but... <laughs> But you know, really, it's it's kind of texture and and mood, 
and, mm -hmm. and um, all, all of those elements of which I, you know in my um you know in my solo work i, I focus more on the um more on the virtuosic uh, performance element of it which is fine it is what it is you know it's, mm -hmm. it's uh, uh, but you know this is a different side different side to uh to what I do, you know, so it's a great, really great, great project put together by a guy, a guy called Paul Cameron, who's a, a great, you know, positive, uh, positive person putting putting projects together. Absolutely, and it, and it's a really great example of your use of of sound options too. So people can see that um, yeah. on there, and a um, lot of electronics, you know, looping. And, yes. Um, different live looping and all that stuff, which is again is some maybe you know I might even completely redesign what I do live in terms of of even drum clinics, make it more chilled and more more uh, you know less less and more. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I I like that so much. And and speaking of looping too, like that's just it's so fascinating to me to watch you do that and you know uh, um there are a lot of musicians right now that are exploring looping that haven't before and it's just it's super cool to watch that in a percussion setting as well i love yeah. that love yeah. it well um, there's a lot there's a lot you can do i mean you know with technology and you know effects pedals and mm -hmm. so much there's so much stuff that you can do with it all it's 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 just it's mind-blowing you know yeah, it, it is amazing to me how far things have come in the creative direction in such a short amount of time. And, you know, like technology in general, it's just it's yeah. just like the, there's a whole world out there um, to explore when it comes to yeah. sound. And I, you know, musicians like you are are showing what's possible and encouraging um, that exploration. And I just love that. Yeah, no, it's so great. Cool. It's good to explore it, to be honest. I'm, gl I'm glad you, uh, I'm glad you noticed that. Absolutely, absolutely. And I look forward to following along with the things that you are going to do this year. Finding out about that new book and who the mystery collaborator is, and yeah, and <laughs> and I look right, Madonna. Oh, that would be great. <laughs> Indian rhythms by Madonna. <laughs> I love that. Um, and then also, I can't wait for your next newsletter, because I'm sure it's going to be filled with like the most incredible things that you've done. And and um, it yeah. always just, you know, it's always just amazing to me. But um, but yeah, and I, and I also look forward to seeing you again in person sooner than later when traveling is is much easier of a, <laughs> of a, a concept Absolutely. in general, um, yeah. you know, and, and hopefully things do take take a turn for the better in that aspect soon it seems like that's where things are heading so hopefully yeah yes. i think fingers crossed yes fingers crossed <laughs> absolutely <laughs> well thank you so much pete for coming on and um sharing with us and and telling us some things about yourself that that i didn't know and uh that i think will um will inspire everybody else so i appreciate yeah. that uh, thanks for having me on sarah it's been been a great pleasure Absolutely. I'll see you soon. Ciao, ciao. Okay, bye. Thank you for tuning in today. Join us each Tuesday for new episodes of Sarah Hagen Backstage.